0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, it is my pleasure and privilege to welcome a very, very senior professional from Dubai, Mr. Ramesh Kidambi. Ramesh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you Ashutosh. Fantastic to be here and to be part of your platform and network for meeting
0: people. Thank you. Ramesh is the Chief Operating Officer of the Dubai Duty Free, the world's largest airport retailer in a single location with revenues in excess of $2 billion. He's responsible for both retail and the leisure business. Ramesh is a board member of Dubai's retail business group and interestingly, his other interest is Iyengar Yoga. His wife Alpana has been teaching Iyengar Yoga for nearly three decades. And he also got certified five years ago and in his own words, to quote him, it is a good combination in that we are both committed to yoga and both are keen on sailing because she is a qualified skipper and helms our boat during racing and cruising. Amazing partnership, uh, Ramesh. So uh, let me start with asking you my first question, which is that you've reached the apex of a very, very large organization, but as you look back what do you say are three key milestones in your life or your career?
1: That's a good question, the, I think the first say milestone was the fact that I didn't get into medical school. You no, know? and what I mean by that is that throughout my you know school education, I always wanted to be a doctor, and after I did my pre-university in Madras, no Chennai, I. Applied to go to Madras Medical College and Kirk Park Medical College and Stanley Medical College, mm-hmm. and unfortunately didn't get admission, and uh, which was completely unexpected. And I had no, I had, uh, I never anticipated that I wouldn't get into medical school. Which then led me to do my bachelor's degree in botany because that was the only other option. You know, I had got admission into pharmacy and dentistry and agriculture and all this stuff, but I didn't want to do any of that. And then eventually landed up applying for an MBA program and going to the US to do my MBA. Okay. So the first real, you know, milestone in that sense was not getting into medical school and getting into an MBA program. Mm-hmm. The second, you know, milestone or third, if you want to call the MBA program, you know, the second hmm. uh, milestone was the fact that I got into computer consultancy. And in those days, you know, in 1984, 85, it was a relatively newer profession. And the consultancy job, you know, with data consultants brought me to Dubai to be a consultant and to set up the systems at Dubai Duty Free. Okay. So, So that was no, a significant development in my in my life and in my career after the MBA program in the US,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the combination of you know those three events have led me to where I am today. You know, uh,
0: fantastic, and in the role that I'm in today, fantastic. So you know, uh, I think I'm slightly older than you, but we're probably similar vintage. So I must tell you that I also did not get into medicine. Only difference was that you wanted to get into medicine, I did not want to get into medicine. <laughs> My parents and grandparents wanted to get yes. in to hate the subject.
1: No, I mean, I always say half jokingly that there's nothing that I wanted more than to get into medical college. And till today, I remember exactly how I felt, what my expression was and what my emotions were. when I found out that I didn't get in. <laughs>
0: so Amazing. It was Amazing. a big event. So whenever I'm in Dubai, I'll, I'll share some other stories. Uh, <laughs> okay. On this. I look forward to that. Yeah. So, but you know, Ramesh, let's come to your 30 year journey with Dubai Duty Free. I mean, you know, you are what I would call a quintessential retailer yeah. who has seen retail. And I have seen Dubai because in my many trips, how Dubai Duty Free has evolved. Yeah. What would you say are some of the key changes Dubai Duty Free has gone through over the years?
1: There are two aspects to this, Ashutosh. You know, one is what people see in the front. You know, uh, if you as a customer or as a passenger or as a shopper, and in many respects, you know, the core shopping environment and the core categories that we deal in, you know, liquor, tobacco, food, you know, confectionery, perfumes, cosmetics, you know, technology, watches, gold, jewelry, you know, fashion, they haven't changed that much. Correct. But what has changed, you know, in a retail sense is the fact that the brands... Have become more and more stronger, and the brands increasingly want to, let's say, uh, want to express themselves mm-hmm. in a retail environment in the way that they think is best. So you see the the, the prominence of the brands much more, mm-hmm. and you see brand boutiques, you know, like a Chanel boutique or you know Gucci boutique or you know or you know any of the the big brands. More present, and even in our perfumes and cosmetics offer, or in our fashion offer, you see the brand come across much more within the Dubai Duty Free brand. Mm. So, so if I go back to the 1990s, you know, Dubai Duty Free as a brand would have been extremely strong, Mm. and we wanted you to feel that you were in Dubai Duty Free, Mm. that you were not in a random collection of brands at at, you know in a nameless or a faceless retailer. We wanted you to feel that you were in Dubai duty free. Okay. Today, in 2020, we want you to continue to feel that you're in Dubai duty free. Mm-hmm. But it is a fact that you know you would see the brands much more. You know, so on the in the front office, that has been a big change, and in the back office, you know, there's really been technology. It has been you know automation in terms of back office processes and uh, and just being more efficient as an organization. So. We were able to grow our business in in the last 20 or 30 years Hmm. significantly. We started off being a 20 million dollar business in 1984 to a two billion dollar business last year, without really increasing the size of the back office because of all the work we did in logistics, in in our distribution center automation, and things like that, which are not seen by the passengers. Fascinating. But if you're a passenger, you know, I would say the biggest difference is the the importance of the brands you know, within the retail you know, um, organization.
0: It's very interesting you're saying this because 1984 was the first time when I was with ITC, I was sent to London for, for some work.
1: Okay. And I remember
0: transiting through Dubai on an Air India flight and my wife and I, the first thing we did we, in that half an hour, 40 minutes slot, we ran out yeah. by one gold chain and one camera.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And after that, I have seen Dubai duty completely changed. Yeah, Yeah. you know this is very very different.
1: Yeah, and it's partly also that we have kept pace with the development of the airport. Correct. And we have kept pace with the architecture of the airport. Mm. And we have we have tried to evolve our retail footprint to be aligned with how the airport has evolved. You know, in 1984, you had no contact gates. Mm. You you had a single terminal building. You took a bus, you know, from the aircraft, you know, to the terminal. In uh, 2000, you know, we opened Concourse, what is now Concourse C. We had gates for the first time, so the entire architecture of the building changed. You know, the architecture became linear mm. because you know that was the only way to have so many contact gates. Right. And then that went on, you know, as the airport developed further.
0: Fascinating. So now tell me, you know, uh, I've been a retailer. You are a retailer. One of the things that I've, whenever I speak to retailers. A retail shop needs to rest, if I can use that term.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and which is why they switch off and you are able to, you know, give time for the retail store to rest and re recover. Yeah. What are the challenges in a 24 by 7 operation? I mean, you're constantly on.
1: Yeah. We, you know, we started operating on the 20th of December, 1983. Mm. And until March of 2020, 25th of March, we had never shut down our operation. Wow. We, you know, we operated non-stop for 36 years, including airport expansion, airport renovation, renovation of shops. You know, the Iraq War. You know, the, you know, I mean, all kinds of events have happened in 36 years, but we never stopped trading. The principal challenge with that really is, on an operational side, it is replenishment of stock. So you basically pick, you know, times when it is quieter because Emirates. As an airline tends to have waves of departures and waves of arrivals, so the so if they have in, before the crisis, let's say if they had 500 departing flights a day, the 500 departing flights won't be spread uniformly over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So they would have you know one wave between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m., one wave between 12 in the afternoon to two, one wave in the evening around 10:45 you know 10, 10 o'clock and then one wave around 4 a.m mm. so you have the opportunity between the waves okay. to do the housekeeping in the shop to do the replenishment and things like that the other aspect of it is that whenever you do renovations and refurbishments of the shop you have to keep trading while you're doing it you can't really shut down the shop and when you're doing stock counts you know which is you know we had 180 shops open you know at okay. the peak whenever you do stock counts we had worked out a methodology mm-hmm. and a process by which you could count the stock without having to shut down the shop you know wow. and but the real impact is on the people front that you need to have strong strong let's say team in the shop floor mm-hmm. that can handle any situation that is thrown at them at 3am and not having to rely on the people like me or people in the back office to deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. So we have a strong culture of empowerment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and people who can take responsibility, you know, in dealing with the passenger. And in the back office, Ashutosh, the main difference is that all the IT systems, you know, the systems for the point of sale, the, the back office applications, all of them have to recognize and understand that the shop never shuts down. That is operating 24 hours a day and within that you figure out ways to do it. Now, the reality is that in 2020, it's not a very big deal, but in 1987 or 88, when we first set up the systems, when the processing power was less, when disk storage was less, when memory capacity was less Mm. and the technology was a bit more primitive. Doing these things in a non-stop environment was much more challenging. I imagine, you know? but now everyone is non-stop. You know, you have e-commerce retailers, you have banks, you have, mm. you know, so many institutions that are running
0: non-stop. So you know, you—it's interesting you still spoke of e-commerce because that's what the next question I was going to ask you—that you know, e-commerce seems to have pervaded our lives all over the world. Correct. How is e-commerce impacting duty-free? The
1: impact so far, I would say, is less than what. It has happened in the domestic market. Mm. Part of the reason is that when people travel, there is still the urge to buy. You know, it's like when you traveled in 1984, in that 45 minutes, you wanted to go out and pick up something. Correct. Even somebody like me, you know, I haven't traveled in 10 months, but in the in the past, when I used to travel, when I'm in the shop floor, I want to buy something because I'm thinking of, you know, someone you're meeting, somebody yes. whom you want to give a gift or whatever. Correct. So there is a switch that goes off in your head when you're traveling, that encourages you to spend money on things that you don't need mm. and things that you, can,
0: you know. Very so positive. you know,
1: nothing happens if you don't have it. Very true. Cool. So 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 that is that aspect of it. Mm. But on a more serious note, what is happening with e-commerce really is that price transparency is much more. Mm. People are able to do the research on products and brands prior to coming to your shop Mm. and they want a greater amount of information prior to making the purchase and the brands are communicating much more directly to the customers. Mm. So previously somebody like Dubai Duty Free would have been the main mechanism for a brand to reach a consumer within the airport environment. Mm. Today that is no longer the case. Mm. So the brands are starting to disintermediate you know, retailers like us mm. and are starting to reach the customers directly and they have a stated ambition of converting more and more of their sales to their e-commerce operations. Yesterday I was talking to a liquor brand, a very big brand mm-hmm. and their stated ambition Oshutosh, in the next five years is to have 20% of the business on e-commerce. Wow so that is 20% that has been taken away from a retailer you know whether it's a domestic retailer or whether it's a travel retailer like ours so i think it is evolving i think it is early days i think in the future the impact will be more but uh, there are certain categories and certain products where physical retailing still has an advantage but you know we cannot be complacent and we cannot say Ourselves, that this is something that others will suffer and we won't suffer. Hmm. I think there are opportunities there, of course, in terms of digital marketing, there are significant opportunities, correct? But there are also risks because of e commerce, absolutely.
0: So, you know, let's move on to the next set of questions. You know, when organizations the size of Dubai Duty Free uh, are functioning, what are the core values you believe in for this multi billion dollar
1: business? The the, more, the most important value and the, the value that you know our CEO Mr. McLaughlin you know always uh, champions and what all of us in the leadership team champion is that we are a service to the passengers. Mm-hmm. We don't see ourselves as a retailer who's there to just to make money. Connect. We genuinely believe that since 1994 we have provided a necessary service to passengers because passengers. May come from regions where products are not available. Maybe may they may be in Dubai for two days, but they didn't have time to shop. They arrive at the airport. They want to pick up something for someone. Mm. So it's an important service. You know, we have pharmacies. You know, we have you know all kinds of products be, besides the traditional sort of liquor, tobacco, food, confectionery. You know, perfumes, cosmetics, kind of business. So, so as an organization, the first thing is that we are there to provide a service. The second aspect is that we should be as fair and as correct in dealing with everyone, whether it's employees, whether it is uh, suppliers or or other entities. Mm -hmm. And the third and most important thing is that we as an organization should always promote Dubai, the Emirate of Dubai, and we should promote Dubai airport. And both of which will then help us because the more we promote Dubai, the more we promote the airport, the more passengers are likely to come to dubai right. and they might spend some money while they are with us no Interesting. so the promotion of dubai being fair and correct in our dealings with uh, with entities and people and always remembering that we are a service to the passengers is what
0: i would say the three important values well of said. the organization well said so ramesh you know chief operating officer huge organization what would you say is your leadership style
1: My leadership style is probably best described by people, you know, whom I work with. (laughs) But if I were to sort of put myself in in their shoes, you know, what I would say is that my style has been a combination of trying to do things every day that helps the team that is working with us rather than make life difficult for them. You know, so with all the people who are my direct reports and with everybody whom we work with, I would like that, that I do something every day that makes a job a little bit easier mm-hmm. and, and, and helps them to focus on whatever they need to do. That you, that I believe that my style is to have a combination of delegation, you know, that you let people do the stuff, but yet at the same time, I don't believe in abdication. You know, I don't believe that you should be so detached and you should be so far away from the work that others are doing mm-hmm. that you don't really engage. And you don't really help them in situations where help is needed. No? Okay. And in a retail business, it's inevitable that you have to be detail oriented. Okay. You, know? you cannot really operate you know, at such an abstract level that you don't have sight of the business. You don't have sight of what's happening with customers. You don't have sight of the merchandise that you mm-hmm. have, the, the shop layout, the fittings. You know, All of those things are important. So, So you have to be. So I think I try and have a blend of being detail oriented, mm. you know, to do some amount of delegation but not completely be detached and to really help the team every single day. You know, if I can do that, then I'm doing well.
0: Fantastic. So let me move to a few questions for you personally. Yeah. You know, three decades with the Dubai duty free, you do yoga, sailing, I mean a very, very full life. What does success mean to Ramesh?
1: It does not mean much to me in in the sense that, you know, my attitude has always been do whatever you are doing to the best of your ability. I don't like sloppiness. I don't like doing things improperly. Mm -hmm. So do things as well as you can. And then whatever the outcome is, you know, which is quote unquote success, Mm -hmm. you know, let that follow. But, you know, true success in a situation like mine really is peace of mind. You know, Mm -hmm. if I can have peace of mind, that is fantastic you know but in a worldly sense i don't really think too much about success or think too much about positions mm-hmm. because you know the, the the title that you have the position that you have you know these are all transitory things mm-hmm. and one day they will not be there you know so so peace of mind and and having let's say you know and being able to to separate you know the The role that you play in an organization like this from the individual that you are you know mm-hmm. you know though you know that is the kind of sort of things that you aspire for you know rather than chase some particular you know goal to satisfy your
0: ego you know? very interesting <laughs> and therefore uh, a follow up question to that yeah. is that where do you draw your inspiration from
1: i i, I Believe and I feel strongly that I am self-motivated. You know mm-hmm. that uh, that I I like to do things well for the sake of doing things well. Mm-hmm. No, so and I'm you know very privileged. You know to be in an organization where the opportunities are there to do different things, and you know we have a uh, you know we have a CEO who encourages people to try out different things, mm-hmm. and you have a culture that supports you know the people in the team and supports, you know, each other. So, so you are happy, you know, when the organization does well, you're happy when the people whom you are working with, they do well. Of course, you know, you are stressed, you know, when you have situations like now, you know, when you have COVID and, you know, all the uh, massive impact it has had on businesses like us, but in the end, at the end of the day, you have to wake up in the morning and you have to come to work and you have to be motivated to do what you need to do because there is an internal desire for you to do it. Okay. You know? So so I so I think self-motivation and because the problem, Ashutosh, is this that, and I always say this to all my colleagues, mm-hmm. people in management roles, you know, people like myself or people like my boss or people or anybody else, to if we do 80% of what we should be doing, mm-hmm. no one can detect it. If we do twenty percent of what we should be doing, there's a potential for being detected and you might lose your job. You know? Right. But if you're doing eighty percent and not hundred percent, nobody can detect it. Mm. And what makes people do hundred percent instead of eighty percent is really self-motivation. There's no amount of checks and you know compliance and, and monitoring and all of that, which can make a manager perform, you know, to his best level if he doesn't have the motivation to do it. You know? right. So so, right. so I genuinely believe that uh, that it takes a long time to detect a poor manager. Mm. takes even longer to take action against <laughs> them, and you are really dependent on uh, on their own self motivation.
0: Okay. So, Ramesh, I have time for now two more questions for you. Yeah. My next question is that you know you've spent three decades in one organization.
1: Yeah.
0: When today's young people want to jump every few years. Yeah what is the advantage of staying with one organization for so long versus moving every few years yeah the i was fortunate and uh, and it,
1: it's a result of the culture that that uh, our boss has that i did many different things in the 30 years and i looked after it then i took over logistics I look, looked at the projects you know development construction variety of things over the years so my job content changed substantially over the years. So I never really did the same quote unquote job mm-hmm. for too long. And even the same job when I was doing it, I made sure that twenty-five percent of my time I did other stuff which was not directly related to the job, and seventy five percent you did, you know, what your core, you know, job description was. Okay. So that always gave variety and challenges, you know, within your working life. And the advantage of doing this is that you are very fluent and you are very uh, capable in terms of dealing with issues, situations, problems, hassles, difficulties that come by Mm. and you can be very quick in your actions. The disadvantage of course, you know, is that it's easy to develop a particular frame of reference and to think that, you know, that is the only frame of reference. Mm. So people who switch organizations. You know, come across different sets of people mm-hmm. and come, come across different ways of looking at things, which people like me may or may not do. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be complacent. But I think for an organization of our size, you know, we are 6,000 employees at the start of the crisis. The advantage of having managers who have spent a long time in the organization mm-hmm. is the expertise, the experience, understanding of the organization, the history of the organization and all of that which is not easy to come by you know if, if somebody presents a problem to me today in a work sense you know i can be much faster in resolving it mm. because of accumulated you know uh, knowledge yeah. than somebody who is relatively new to the position
0: absolutely it's, you know you've got the institutional knowledge yeah which has been there for a long time yeah, yeah. ramesh thank you so much it's been yeah. such a pleasure speaking to you thank you i mean i'm sure the pandemic problems will be over and Dubai airport will be buzzing again, but I, I wish you so. lots of success yeah. and Dubai Duty Free. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you Ashutosh for inviting me to be on your podcast. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.